Thank you for listening today. We hope that this message from God's Word will help you to grow in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. At Lucy Baptist Church, we are fully committed to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now here's today's message. The sermon text for this morning is found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, and we'll be considering verses 17 through 19. The book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 17 through 19. God's word reads this. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. This is the word of God. From this text today, I'll bring a message entitled, When God Test Our Faith. Let's join our hearts together in prayer. Father, we thank you and praise you for this wonderful privilege of worship. Lord, it is, has been and we trust will continue to be a great joy to be in your presence today as we've continued through the book of Hebrews. We thank you so much for what you have taught us and continue to unfold to us. Thank you for allowing us and making it possible for us to draw near to the Lord Jesus, to the Father through the Lord Jesus. Thank you so much. Lord Jesus, for your ministry for us and to us and continuing, Lord, as our high priest, ever interceding for us, making it possible for us to come into the presence of the Father, though we in and of ourselves would not be worthy. We do not come in our own righteousness. We cannot. We have none. We come in your righteousness, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you see us in Christ as your children today. And Father, how we praise you and thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for the word of God that is, as your word in Hebrews tells us, is living and powerful, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And God, we pray you will do your work today in our heart through the word of God, the same spirit of God we know that inspired this word uh, lives in us as your children, but is also here present among us this morning. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will do your work in us to teach us Uh, your word, uh, to give us understanding, to give illumination. Uh, We pray for anointing upon uh, this messenger today that I'll be used of you and I'll say what you intend for me to say and not say what I should not say or uh, in any way uh, I want to be faithful, Lord, as your word says again, to rightly divide the word of truth. So please enable me to do that. Lord, help us to see this this passage uh, today and Lord, the story that it represents to us from the pages of Genesis Lord, uh, this beautiful picture uh, of, of really of your love, Lord, and we, when we see from a human perspective, our, our tendency is to perhaps to think this is cruel or unkind, but Father, we thank you that you are demonstrating your uh, holiness, you're demonstrating your grace, and you're demonstrating your love because you did not spare your son. You did not Uh, refrain from offering him up as a sacrifice on our behalf. So thank you for this beautiful picture of your great love, that love as we've sung about that is is so wide and so 
so deep and, and uh, it, Lord, is so beyond our ability to comprehend. But God, I pray that you'll speak to every heart in life. And Lord, we know that in our midst this morning, there are some who have not turned from sin, have not trusted in Christ as Lord, perhaps some who may think they have or they may be resting in an experience in the past or uh, Lord of church membership or a baptism or whatever it may be, but Lord, those who may not truly have turned from sin and trusted in Christ and followed you, would you awaken their heart? And others who are, are aware of their lostness, I pray that they would recognize their need for Christ today. Lord, I pray that you will uh, show us how you are at work in our lives to uh, Lord, to test our faith in order to strengthen it, in order that we can bring greater glory to you, and even so that we might have greater joy in the process. Lord, uh, speak to us, change us, be glorified today in this time we have together. Uh, make uh, every thought in this room right now captive to you and to your spirit. We love you, we exalt you in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Our son Jared uh, recently took a test uh, to um, get back into uh, firefighter training in Hawaii, and uh, he had been preparing for it for, for quite a while, and he had been studying, and uh, his father-in-law had been, uh, had been give, tutoring him uh, because this test was uh, very challenging, and his response to us after the test was, it was very hard. Even though he had prepared for it, even though he had studied for it, uh, and even though he had done all he could, humanly speaking, to prepare for it, he, he said it was very hard. And you know, some of our tests are very hard. We, we come to discover in life that uh, no matter how old we are, and by the way, students, if you think that uh, when you get out of school, even graduate school or whatever it may be, you still have tests. Uh, sometimes the literal ones, but you always, we always have tests, uh, and, and we see that taking place here in this passage of Scripture, and you know, we face tests for our faith. Some are very hard, especially when God directs us to do something that just doesn't make sense, and that seems to defy human logic, uh, and that was certainly the case when God tested Abraham's faith by testing him. The story, we read about it in Genesis uh, 22. There God told Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. What a test. Warren Wiersbe says, our faith is not really tested until God asks us to bear what seems unbearable, to do what seems unreasonable, and to expect what seems impossible. The test of Abraham certainly qualified for all of those areas. And in just these three verses that we've read today from Hebrews 11, the, the writer describes to us this extreme test of Abraham's faith. Abraham is called the friend of God. A friend is someone who trusts their friend. And Abraham demonstrated his friendship with God because he trusted God totally, even when it didn't really make sense, even when God was calling him to do something that didn't make sense. 
The word for test here, when God describes the test of Abraham's faith, it means a test to view, with a view to, appro- of, uh, to approval and strengthening. He was being tested uh, not to destroy his faith, but to strengthen his faith. And we need to understand that. God knows what we're made of. He knows what we can bear. And the Bible uh, certainly makes that clear to us. And scripture tells us how we're to respond to those tests. And that's not primarily our focus in this message today, but I remind you, uh, uh, as Peter wrote to believers, uh, similar to these in Hebrews who were going through great trial for their faith, as those that James described in James 2, he said in 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the the tested genuineness of of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor to the revelation of Jesus Christ. Scripture makes it clear here in in 1 Peter and in James that tells us we're to count it all joy when we fall into various kinds of trials, that God is at work in these tests. And the purpose, once again, is to purify and to strengthen our faith that we might be able to experience, uh, give God greater glory. And when we are able to give God greater glory in our lives and be a a tool to bring bring God greater glory, then the result is we have greater joy. And we have a greater uh, sense of his uh, presence and of his relationship. You, you that have been on the trail for a while, have known Christ for a while, and have gone through trial, you know what, how trials and how testing of our faith strengthens us and draws us closer in our relationship with Christ. So I want you to look with me at these three verses, and we'll make reference back to the Genesis accounts of, of ways that we are to respond when God test our faith. And I want to remind you, that's not if God tests our faith. It's when God tests our faith. And that's really what I'm going to share with you in the first point. That is that when God tests our faith, we must not be surprised. God tests our faith and we must not be surprised. Again, 1 Peter 4, uh, 12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange is happening to you. And even though this is so clear in Scripture, uh, haven't we all encountered tests in our life when we are just kind of, wow, what is going on here? And, uh, and it, seems, it does seem strange to us, and we do question it, and it does seem to surprise us. God tells us not to be surprised. You know, Abraham began his, uh, his faith journey uh, as we all uh, must, by believing God. Uh, and, and the Bible says he placed his faith in God, he trusted in him, and that as a result of faith, not of works, he, God counted him as righteous. God deposited, if you will, uh, righteousness into his own account, in his account. Why is that, folks? Just briefly, because we have no righteousness, right? We have none. We need his righteousness. And that's what happened in Abraham's life. And he began that faith journey. And there were, he believed God. He was willing, as we've seen already in our study here in Hebrews 11, uh, and how he was commended for his faith by believing God, going to that land that God was calling him to go to. 
that when he'd never been there before and he didn't even really know where he was going. So he passed that test in a sense. He was strengthened in his faith by, by obeying God when God told him to go. And there were other things, other times in his, in his faith where he took God at his word and, and, and God strengthened his faith. But you know, uh, there were also faith failures in Abraham's life. Uh, he didn't always do it right. We got to hear Jim and Larry this morning in, the, in uh, Managing Your Money God's Way share some ways that God had taught them, and they were also uh, transparent enough to tell some failures in their lives, as we've all had. Well, Abraham had faith failures. He failed uh, on a couple occasions when, uh, out of fear, because, Abra- because Sarah was a very beautiful woman, uh, for fear that he was, his uh, wife Sarah was going to be stolen from him and he was going to be killed, he lied and said, she's my sister. Did that twice. That was a faith failure. That was not trusting God. And we know his big colossal failure was when, uh, when God had made him that promise at 75 that they were going to have a son uh, in their old age. And so they were ready uh, immediately. Let's, we're looking for that son. Well, God waited 25 years. Well, along the way, they, they, they just said, God's not coming through. And so, of course, he took matters into his own hand. He fathered a child by uh, Sarah's handmaid, Hagar, uh, and Ishmael was the product of that. Uh, that was a colossal faith failure, and it was very costly. Uh, so there were faith uh, victories, there were faith failures, but you know what? God used them both. And God will use both our faith uh, victories as well as our faith failures in our life if we'll ex- respond in the right way. Obviously, Abraham responded as we must in brokenness, in repentance, uh, and uh, learning from those failures so that we can grow from those. And that's how God worked in his life. But God, so God grew his faith until he was ready for this big test. I share that because, you know, God wouldn't have given him this test early on. God would not have told Abraham to take his only son that he finally had fulfilled in that promise to him and, and offer him up as a sacrifice. He wouldn't have done that earlier. You see, God had prepared him and he had learned and he had grown. He'd, he'd seen how God was true uh, to his word. And so um, I just remind us that, that God is, uh, that, fail, that our, we should not be surprised by these tests, that God is preparing us for them and God is strengthening them. And you know, some of you, again, you, uh, you've been uh, in a relationship with Christ uh, for a number of years and, and you come to realize that testing of your faith uh, is something that we continue to experience uh, and, and that we don't, we don't go beyond those. Some of you are uh, experiencing that as uh, young parents. Some, some of you are experiencing that uh, as parents of teenagers. Uh, some of you are experiencing that as parents of, uh, of, of grown children and now with grandchildren and you're learning some things there. And, so, uh, and some of you are learning that as you grow older and you begin to experience some health issues in your life. There are tests out there. We don't know what they are. Uh, they're hard, many of them. But God is faithful, amen? And, and God certainly demonstrated that in the life of, of Abraham. So we must respond in humility and brokenness. And then therefore, God is growing us in our faith and he's preparing us for the next test. Well, I want to just uh, say a brief word here about this matter because this is, this is a challenging uh, uh, 
part of Scripture to understand that God would ask of Abraham something so tremendous as this. So how do we understand this huge test of faith? Well, let me just mention several things. One, this was a unique command uh, of Abraham in history. Uh, the Bible was not inspired yet. And, uh, and, and so uh, God obviously spoke to Abraham audibly, very clearly, no mistaking this. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, obviously that was a unique thing. Today we do have Bibles, amen? Aren't you grateful? We have all of the completed written revelation of God called the Bible. What a wonderful thing. And I will just remind you of this, that God speaks to us today primarily through Scripture. And, uh, and, and even when he does speak to our hearts and, and, and use others, he never contradicts the Word of God. His, his written word to us. So that means to us that God would not command us to do what he commanded Abraham. He would not command us and, and lead us to murder somebody, for example. Uh, but then I want you to also see that God really in this, this incident never intended that Abraham carry out this command. It was a test. Thirdly, that God through his word and his spirit uh, does command us to do difficult things. Uh, even through today, even though we may not have Abraham's test, God does command us and lead us to do some very difficult things. Uh, you don't have to raise your hand, but how recently did you sense God leading you to do something that you knew was very hard? I mean, just I can think of just in the last couple of weeks, some difficult things that I sensed that God was leading me to do, and it was not easy. Uh, but, but we can always be assured that when God leads us to do a difficult thing and we know it's founded in his word, that God's going to enable us to do that. Amen? He's going to give us the power to do it. Uh, number four, we too must respond in obedience and surrender, as we're going to see, as we see that Abraham did. It, let me just mention a few things. Uh, it may be a command to stay in a difficult marriage, even though you would find great relief in leaving. It may be the command to love a difficult person or to forgive someone who has greatly wronged you. And, and that's, that with the world saying, no, you don't need to go there, don't go in that direction, uh, that doesn't make sense, and you have voices coming at you and shouting to you, even professionals coming to you and saying, this is what you ought to do, but you know this is what God says to do, obey God. Obey Him promptly, even when it doesn't make sense, according to uh, the world and even some well-meaning people who may be telling you to do otherwise. This is a test of our faith and it doesn't make sense, but obey God, surrender to God, obey him promptly. Second, when God tests our faith, we must respond in obedience and surrender. We see that, of course, in the life of Abraham in the second part there of uh, verse 17. Uh, we see that, and he had received the promise, excuse me, when, by faith when Abraham was tested, offered up Isaac. The Bible said he offered him up. Uh, there, 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 from all indication, he promptly obeyed God. The next morning, in fact, Genesis 22, 3 says, so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac and cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God told him. We don't read about any argument. We don't read about any, anything there that God, he just said, and I'm not, you know, this is where I draw the line. I'm not going there. Not going to do that. 
No, he immediately began. And so he again responded in obedience and in surrender. And I agree with one who said true obedience is instant obedience. It's complete obedience. Partial and delayed obedience are not obedience. They're disobedience. So obedience must be complete and it must be instant or it doesn't qualify as obedience. Abraham's obedience was both. And praise God for that. This verse goes on to say that he offered up Isaac. Um, th- th- this is a perfect tense verb and it in- indicates completed action. For all intents and purposes, Abraham did offer up Isaac. In fact, he did that before he got to the mountain. He'd already done that in his heart. He had done that. He'd obeyed God. And that's exactly how we're to respond. And then when he reached, on the, the three days later, when he reached that mountain and he had gone to the mountain that God had indicated, he had his knife raised to slay his son and would have done so if God had not stopped him. Again, after waiting 25 years for God to fulfill this promise and for Isaac to be born, uh, to, he, God was now telling him when I, Abraham, of course, born when he was, Abra, excuse me, Isaac born when Abraham was 100 years old, Sarah 90 years old. And, uh, and now some years later, he's uh, asking him to, to give up this son, to sacrifice this son, to offer him up. That just is the, he, he's bearing the unbearable and he's doing what seems unreasonable. But Abraham offered him up. He, he really surrendered what was most precious to him to the Lord. That son that he loved so much, he was offering him up uh, to the Lord. Again, he responded to this test of faith with obedience and surrender. And that's exactly how we must respond to the test of faith that God brings our way. Like Abraham, God calls us to love him supremely. We always uh, face the danger, uh, like Abraham did, with that which is precious to us, of loving that person or that possession more than we love God. And the Bible calls that idolatry. And so in that sense of the word, of the word it's not only a test of our faith, but it's a test of our relationship with him. It's a test of our worship. It's a test of our love. Who do we really love? And so that's why Jesus said in, John, in Luke 14, 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That's a hard saying, is it not? Obviously, he, Jesus is not commanding us literally to hate, but he is saying that, that our love for him in comparison with our, our family members, our, uh, even our own life, is to, to pale in comparison so much to our love for him that our love for others and things uh, looks like hate. And so again, uh, Christ follower, I want to ask you today, Do you treasure Christ more than any person, more than any possession, more than your own life? And have you surrendered all that you are to all that he is? That's why, again, we're commanded, even as believers in Romans 12, 1, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is our reasonable service, our reasonable worship. 
We are to present ourselves to the Lord. And so again, we, we need to do that. We need to examine ourselves continuously to make certain we have set up no idols in our heart, that nothing is coming in between our love and receiving the loyalty and love that only Jesus should have in our life. So when God tests our faith, we must respond in obedience and surrender. Have you done that? Are you doing that right now? But number three, when God tests our faith, we must believe his promises. Notice he identifies Abraham as he who had received the promises. The word received here means to, uh, that he believed uh, and he fully embraced and was living in the anticipation of the fulfillment, the complete fulfillment of those promises. That's what we've seen already as being the definition of, of faith. These promises that God had made to him and had begun to fulfill but had not completely fulfilled. You see, based on these promises, he was in the act of offering up his only son. Isaac wasn't the only son born to him. Ishmael was his son, but he was, he was a, a unique son, and, and uh, he would later have other sons, but the word, the word here means uh, unique. He was unique because he was the only one that God would use to fulfill his promise uh, through, and, and, and most importantly, he's the one through whom the Messiah, Jesus, would come. So again, you see how important this promise, this promise is. And, and Abraham believed this promise. Again, Isaac had been born uh, some years earlier now. And, and uh, Abraham was anticipating uh, that one day that Isaac was going to take a wife and that he was going to have uh, ch- children and that this, these promises that God had given to him were going to continue to be uh, fulfilled, that he was going to, uh, his offspring was going to be like the stars of the sky, the sand on the, of the sea, uh, that, that he was going to be the, as his name was changed, by the way, from Abram to Abraham, meaning father of many nations. He hadn't seen those nations yet. Not literally, but he'd seen them by faith. He'd, he had received those promises. He'd believed them. He'd claimed them. He'd embraced them. And yet now God was telling him to, to take that child and to offer him up as a sacrifice. God promised that he would establish his covenant with Isaac in, John 17, in Genesis 17, 9. And that in Genesis 21, 12 that are quoted in this verse, in verse 18, that through Isaac... Your offspring shall be, uh, shall be named. So obviously the plan wasn't that, that it wasn't Isaac, that he was going to provide another. No, it was Isaac. It was through Isaac that God was going to fulfill his promise. But you know, again, while Abraham didn't understand what God was going to do, he still believed his promise. He still took God at his word and believed his promise. He so fully embraced the promise of God that he obeyed even though it was painful and even though he didn't know how God was going to pull it off. Paul described Abraham's faith in Romans 4, 20 and 21 like this. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he, as he gave glory to God fully convinced 
that God was able to do what he had promised. He didn't know how he was going to do it, but he believed him. He took him at his word. Do you take God at his word? Do you believe the promises of God? Someone said, we don't live by explanations. We live by promises. Abraham wasn't living by explanations because he had no explanation. There was no way to explain this. There was no way to understand this. No way he could get his mind around this. But he just believed God. And God honored that kind of faith. And dear friend, we too live by the promises of God. We take God at his word. We take God at his character. The kind of God that he is. He's a God who is holy. A God who cannot lie. A God who always does what he says he would do. Who is completely and totally trustworthy. Is that the God you serve? Do you know this God? Do you have a relationship with this God? He's the God that you can trust. Well, number four, when God tests our faith, we must trust his power and his purposes. Again, we read there in in verse 19, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. You know, again, with using Wearsby's definition, this definitely is faith at a uh, faith test that qualifies as expecting the impossible. And that's what Abraham was doing. He knew God was able. He'd already proven that by giving a couple at, at 100 who are 190 years old a baby. And, and uh, so he'd already seen God and how God could work. But, but this, uh, this is an impossible thing. The word considered here, by the way, is a, it's a mathematical term from which we get the word logarithm. Uh, it means to calculate, to compute on the basis of firm evidence. Uh, so he reasoned within himself. This, this in itself, folks, demonstrates to us from Scripture that God doesn't, expect, doesn't call for a blind faith. This was not a blind faith. This was a calculated faith. This was a faith based on evidence, the evidence of God's word, the evidence of God's promise. Uh, so he, he, it didn't make human sense, but he reasoned within himself. He thought about God's promises to him, about how God had miraculously filled his promise to give he and Sarah Isaac, this baby boy in their old age. Abraham, as we see, who was as good as dead. And again, he thought about the times that he had tried to help God out and to take over and how that didn't work. So he may have said to himself, this doesn't, this doesn't come out in simple math. Uh, I can't calculate this in my own reasoning, but I have a, uh, as one fellow said, he had a, he had a God button on his calculator. And he just pushed the God button. Uh, it, it didn't make sense. He had a God key on his calculator, and so he just factored in God. And dear friend, that is what we must do. That is how we must respond in faith. He, he reasoned that God is able to raise Isaac from the dead. And again, that's especially significant. We have no, uh, no biblical evidence at this time that there had been anybody raised from the dead. Uh, but, but he just knew God was able. He just knew that God was a powerful God, that God was a mighty God. And, uh, and so uh, we, we, again, we pick up his audacious faith after a three-day journey to the mountain that God had designated. And in Genesis 22, 5, we see, Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. 
Abraham says, okay, fellas, we're going up here on this mountain. We're going to worship, but we're coming back. We'll be back. Now, he didn't know how that was going to happen, but he just knew it was going to. He just knew that God was going to do what he said he would do. Isaac said to his father after they were preparing for the, the sacrifice, he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but, there, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb. He lifted up his hand to slay his son when God called out, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And he looked and in the thicket there was a ram that was caught. He knew that was the lamb that God had provided, the ram that God had provided for the sacrifice. And he offered up that ram as scripture tells us there, instead of his son. And the writer says, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. In Abraham's heart, Isaac was offered up, but God raised him up. Uh, and God gave to, gave to him this son. He let him keep his son. He, he fulfilled his promise to him. And, and again, he named this place Jehovah-Jireh, uh, the Lord will provide. What a beautiful picture we have of Christ in this story. One of the clearest in the Old Testament. The same word, again, that was used of Isaac, his only son, his unique son, is the name that's used of Jesus. We know it in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only, as we read in King James, New King James, begotten son, his only son, his unique son, the Lord Jesus. Unique because he was fully God but also fully human, who could be for us that sacrifice needed. The only one who could be the sacrifice, as Hebrews makes so clear, because he alone had the blood without sin. Only he could be offered up as a sinless sacrifice. Only his righteousness could be acceptable uh, to God the Father as an offering uh, for us. And only he could bear our sin. Only he could become sin for us on the cross. Only a perfect sinless lamb of God like Jesus could, could receive the wrath of God, the holy wrath of God deserved for sinners separating us from God in hell forever. Only he was worthy only he uh, could bear our sin for us on the cross. The Lord Jesus was that lamb, that sacrificial lamb, that substitutionary lamb on our behalf. Again, John the Baptist said, uh, in answer to Isaac, Isaac's question, where is the lamb? John the Baptist said when he saw him there on the first day of his ministry, he said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And unlike uh, unlike what he did for Abraham and Isaac, God did not spare his son. He gave him up for us. Romans 8.32 said, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And this story is not uh, so much about Isaac's response, but Isaac was some, believed to be anywhere from 17 to 37, depending on who you're reading, and, and uh Isaac cooperated as well. And the Bible says that the Lord Jesus, he, he not only, he, his life wasn't taken from him, he gave his life for us, dear friend. He loved us in that way. He loved us by giving himself for us as our sinless substitute. The father knew what Abraham endured. 
He understood. You see, Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. He knew exactly what Abraham was being asked, what he was asking Abraham to do, because he knew in his heart he'd already offered him up for in our, in our behalf. Dear friend, Jesus rose from the dead and he lives forever. He's now ascended back to the Father and has entered into God's holy presence, making it possible through him to come to God and only through him. God was picturing picturing for us in this story what he would do and what he has done for us at Calvary's cross and at the empty tomb. What a test of faith. Jim Elliott and four other missionaries in South America, Ecuador, worked diligently to gain the trust of the, un, of the unreached tribe there. But they, uh, they, they attempted them they, to build these relationships. They'd gotten to know some of them. But they, they sensed God calling them to go to these people, which I'm sure caused some people to think, that's crazy. To go to a, a, to a tribe that has not had contact with people and that are very dangerous. They've been known to kill people and you're trying to do this. And I'm sure many would have told them that was a very foolish thing to do. But God told them to go and they obeyed. But on the day they tried to finally make human contact with, with them after a long time of trying to build to this point, they were all five speared to death. Jim Elliott and four other missionaries. Well, after Jim's death, God tested his wife Elizabeth's faith as well because he was now put it on her heart that she was to continue the work that her husband and these other missionaries had done. Elizabeth now had a 10-month-old daughter, and yet she remained to continue the work that these others had sought to do. Uh, and so they met some other uh, young ladies from the tribe who they were able to meet and uh, build a relationship with and learn the language. Uh, they, uh, they continued to do that and they continued to work toward uh, sharing the gospel with the people until they were able to build relationships with them. And, and they were able to share the gospel and people responded to the gospel in this Quechua tribe. And, uh, and again, she loved and served and won the same tribe of people, many of them, who had killed her husband and four other missionaries. Perhaps you've read the story or seen the pictures from this experience where actually one of the very men who killed her husband, she, uh, they showed a picture of her cutting his hair. Um, and God had given such tremendous love and grace and forgiveness to be able to do just that. You know, that doesn't make sense from a human perspective, does it? But you know what it does? It does glorify and demonstrate the amazing love and grace of our glorious God. Even when a test of faith leads us to do something that seems to make no sense. But God is a glorious God of grace and love and forgiveness. And so when God tests our faith, how do we need to respond? Let me mention several things. First of all, realize that God's tests of our faith are designed to strengthen our faith in order to bring greater glory to him and to point others to Jesus. Secondly, I encourage you to test all direction by the word of God. Thirdly, surrender everything precious and everyone precious to you, to the Lord. And I urge you to do that now. 
Number four, when God directs you to do something hard, obey him promptly and trust his promises. And finally, thank him that he did not spare his son, but gave him up for us. This is Pastor David Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that God used his word in your life today. If you do not have a relationship with God, the Bible says you can as you turn from your sin, place your faith in Christ Jesus, his death for you on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, and surrender your life to Jesus as Lord. We'd like to invite you to join us for worship. You can find information about the times and locations for all of our gatherings on our website at lucybaptist.com. If you have any questions or if we can minister to you in any way, please call us at 901-872-0623 or email us at info at lucybaptist.com.